0: You're listening to The Doctor's Companion, brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. another episode of The Doctor's Companion. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Matt Smith, but not that Matt Smith. And we're from MindRobber.net, which is the home side of Mind Robber Productions, where we talk about all of the things on podcasts... Uh, like this one, The Doctor's Companion, where we talk about Doctor Who, The Mind Robbers Versus, where we take a show we love and, 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 and pick it apart episode by episode, uh, currently covering Batman the Intermittent Series, and then our flagship podcast, The Mind Robbers, where we talk about everything else. If you like our shows, you can review them on iTunes, uh, but if you have questions, comments, concerns, or any other sort of cool thing you might feel like sharing, you can email those to us at podcast.mindrobber.net if you want to start a discussion. I recommend you go to the post for this episode and leave a comment because uh, that's the best way to do that. And uh, most importantly, please uh, tell everyone that you know that you listen uh, and, and that they should be listening to, and you could do that in person. You can do it on Twitter. You could do it on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Vine, any social media kind of thing. Uh, you should tell people, link to the site, link to the podcast, tell people they should be listening because we're cool and you're cool and they should be cool too. It sounds like peer pressure. It is. <laughs> peer <laughs> pressure. Uh, today we're talking about Dalek. Uh, which is a, a a ninth Doctor story um, from uh, from the two thousand five uh, relaunch season, and uh, this is the uh, this is the reintroduction of uh, of Daleks into uh, New Who. And I'm sure there's all kinds of background and significance for this. I know a bit of it, but I'm sure other people may, might not. So why don't you let them know?
1: Sure. Dalek, as you said, uh, is the reintroduction of the Daleks to New Who. Uh, not the first time that a previous villain has shown up in New Who. Uh, of course, the first being the Do- uh, Autons, actually, and Rose. Um mm-hmm. Dalek uh, comes actually right smack dab in the middle of the season. Uh, it's this Father's Day in Long Game, or like the middle of um, of, of Eccleston's solo only year. Um, but uh, it's 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 interesting because it's directed by Joe Ehirne. I don't really know how to say his name. The British probably say it really funny. Uh, but Joy Ehirne, who did um uh he did he did this he did uh, uh, uh Father's Day and he does Boomtown Bad Wolf Parting of the Ways so i mean i think he's pretty good but i think the biggest one for me is that it's the only Doctor Who story um in 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 the new series for TV that is written by uh, 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 uh well his name Robert Shearman. um sorry i'm i'm a little scattering today uh so Robert Shearman was a, uh, a theater writer. He'd written a lot of plays, uh, and he came to the attention of a... Audio production company by the name of Big Finish in uh, in early two thousand with a and uh, presented a story called The Holy Terror, which is a story starring the Sixth Doctor and a talking penguin named Frobisher, which is amazing. Uh, and mm-hmm. then would go on to write a, a series of other stories, including The Chimes of Midnight, which is a an incredible Eighth Doctor story, uh, Jubilee, which is a Sixth Doctor story, and airing just just about the time that this show this this. Uh, the Doctor Who was announced to come back a, a story called scherzo which is uh, an amazing, amazing, amazing story. Um, but Russell T Davies at the time wanted to bring back the Daleks because they're a big thing, and he and, and the BBC was like, "Yeah, we want you to bring back the Daleks." So he was planning to bring back do- the, the Daleks, and he wanted uh, Sherman to use the idea of Jubilee, which was uh, you know bring in what made the Daleks really exciting and and do it only do one Dalek versus the world. And uh, what's interesting about that is, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. What am I doing today? This is weird. Where am I? Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry. He he has this um, he has this idea for a, a solo Dalek story, and Sherman starts writing it. And then the BBC come to Russell D. Davies and goes, "So that thing where we want you to bring back the Daleks, I think we might not have the rights to it anymore because Terry Nation's people are really angry at us for violations of." treaties and rules or whatever about how we're allowed to use them so we might not be able to use the daleks and russell t davies is like well crap so he uh starts to introduce the idea this idea of this sadistic child which is a graft of skin trapped inside a small sphere small spherical object which eventually become the toclophane uh from the from the third series finale with the master Um, And eventually they do get the rights back to the Daleks, but apparently Sherman did write a draft with Toclafane, which he called uh, absence of the Daleks, which makes me laugh. Um, So, so, I mean, that's really the background of it. It, the, The BBC also, one more thing, the BBC did want uh, the Daleks to appear early on. Uh, they actually wanted the Daleks to be in the first story, but Davies actually said no, and not for the reason you might think. You might say like it's too much too soon, but the reason is because he knew that the Daleks would get, would get a lot of um a lot of excitement, a lot of people would uh, in publicity, and people would be like, "Oh, the Daleks are back!" So he put it in the middle of the season, right when he realized when he thought that people would stop watching. So that was his reason for doing that,
0: and that's um that's Dalek, and I, I have a lot of thoughts so. There you go. All right. All right. Well, um, before we uh, before we move on to start talking about it, uh, I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by InStockTrades.com, where you can purchase any paperback, hardcover, omnibus, or Absolute Edition for 35 to 45% off, plus new release specials of 50% off every week. And remember, all orders over $50 get free shipping. So thanks to InStockTrades.com. Um, okay, so Dalek is one of my favorite stories from this, uh, from this season. Um, I love it. I think it's a really cool reintroduction of a classic villain. Um, and I, I think it's, it's really, really well written. Um, I do have a couple of issues with it. Um, mostly, but it's mostly like, uh, things like, um... I guess uh, I don't know the intelligence of some of the characters. Like I don't, I I don't, I don't really buy a lot of their, of a lot of the characters um, uh, decisions, decision-making skills. (laughs) I don't know. I like there, there's just moments like there's that uh, there's that one guy uh, at one moment, the, uh, the, uh, the American soldier at one point is like uh, uh, the doctor is telling him like, aim for the eye stock. You know, that's that's their weak point. And the guy's response is, uh, I think I know how to shoot a a, a a robot made of tin or whatever he says. <laughs> and I'm just like, uh, you mean that thing that just killed like 24 people in the room before it got to yours? You mean that do- that that tin robot? Like, I, I, I just I, I'm like, I'm sorry, but I don't care how confident somebody is. If that just happened, you're going to be scared of that thing. Um like like I understand if that was that was some something that someone said in the room before it killed like 24 people, but after it killed 24 people, no, you're going to listen to the doctor because he knows. <laughs> Um I just I don't I I I hated that. Like when that happened I was just like okay. No, you're just writing Americans as 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 douchebags. Like that's all you're doing. You're just writing like the stereotypical douchebag American uh who thinks he knows better than all other foreigners. And I'm like that's not that's a little too dimensional, and not, and and I do think that what's the guy, the villain's name in this? What's his name? Van Staten. Yeah, Van Staten is a little, actually not a little, way too mustache twirly. Um, <laughs> to the to the point of like, he's just a monster, um, and not a believable monster, just a monster for being a monster's sake. Like, mm-hmm. like stop shooting the Dalek because but it's killing them. Yeah, but they're disposable? Like really? They're human beings. Like and and do you actually think, "Oh, oh, you're you're ordering us to stop shooting the thing that's killing us. Okay, we'll stop." I mean, did he actually <laughs> think that would work? Um I I don't know. I have problems with like just the the particular characters in this. But it's all unrelated to the actual like emotional base of the story, which is the doctor and the Dalek being the last of their kinds and dealing with that, that I love, all of that stuff I love. It's all of that B-plot stuff with Van Staten and, and the military people that I hate. I hate all of it. Mm. Um, I, uh, none of it makes any sense, and it's just it feels like like first draft stuff, um, because obviously, it wasn't what Robert Shearman was interested in which is fair because I wouldn't have been particularly interested in it if I was writing this story either, but you still got to spend some time with it and make it believable. And I don't think he succeeds in that totally. See, it's interesting you say that because I hadn't thought of it that way. Um, Cause Van
1: Staten is a monster. And I, I will point out that I did actually watch this very recently in addition to just watching it before we recorded, but um, uh, Van Staten I, I I'm willing to give him a lot of leeway in in ways where I normally wouldn't give a lot of leeway, and the reason for me giving that leeway is because I'm a big fan of Robert Sherman, um, and I know you are
0: mm-hmm.
1: as well. But uh, Van Staten comes from the same cut of uh, of, of cloth that all of Sherman's villains come come from. Sherman is interested in incredibly dark subject matter. His his short stories, his Doctor Who plays are. Uh, Brutal and very dark and very nightmarish. Um, when you listen to something like Jubilee, uh, which is the story that this is partially based on, Jubilee is a nightmare. It is a true nightmare. There's nothing more horrifying in the world than listening to people talk about drinking Dalek juice, for instance. Um, and Van Staten comes from that. I mean, the military, yes, that's a bogus thing where it's just like, come on, like just do what the doctor tells you, you're dead anyways um, but Van Staten feels like a Shearman villain uh, down to the core and and that's never more present than it is when he's walking down that hallway for the first time with uh, Diana Goddard um, and, and <laughs> just riffing on hilarious things um, so I don't, I don't really mind it as that and it gets them to like an interesting place because Van Staten is very much a Dalek um, he is this guy who doesn't care about anything else except himself. He just happens to be like, uh, instead of, instead of focused on tyrannical, uh, genocide, he's focused on greed. Um, and I like, I like that and I like Van Staten and I think that that kind of works within the tone that Sherman kind of goes for And you can tell that he's pulled it back, but it is still remarkably dark, um, uh, for Doctor Who's story. And not in a way that is obvious the first time, it's just when you look back and you're just like, oh, this Dalek just asked for someone to tell it to kill itself. Like, that is really dark. Uh, <laughs> in ways that Doctor Who kind of doesn't go there. Uh, and I and I like that about it. Um, but no, I, I, I do like this. And I think that this is the best story of this season. Um, having just rewatched it, this is... It, it, it's amazing. It's It's... Job smackingly good, and I think that the the interesting thing is that Sherman, what he does is his inspiration. I mean, it is Jubilee, but the inspiration for Jubilee comes from a line in Power of the Daleks, which is like the best Dalek story ever, where the Doctor says to the colonists in Power of the Daleks. One Dalek, one Dalek is enough to take down this entire colony and that's the th- and that got stuck in Robert Shearman's head as a young child, and ever since then he's been thinking about that, and that's basically what happens. This mm-hmm. Dalek just goes nuts and threatens to kill the world, and you believe that it'll kill the world um and that's brilliant. Like that's exactly what you should be doing as a writer, as um, <clears throat> as a as a storyteller. It just gets you to a really interesting like story place. It's a fascinating story to do. Uh, it also just happens to have a great emotional core on it. So that's nice. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I yeah. So like, I, I like that. I, I think, uh, I guess I see what you mean by by Henry Van Staten. I just don't believe him as a character. I just don't find him believable at all. Sure. No, I get that. And uh, in other
1: care in other situations. I'm with you, but in a Sherman ethos I think it works. But that's hmm. just me.
0: Yeah. No, I don't I don't I don't agree, but it doesn't take away from the episode necessarily, like sure. because it's not about Henry Van Staten. He's just he's just sort of a means to get to the end, um, mm-hmm. which is which is fine. So like while he annoys me as a character because I don't I don't understand how uh how a how a human being exists like Henry Van Staten, like he exists in this story. I, I don't I don't believe that this character came from anywhere. Like that's that's my problem with him ultimately, is like I don't know how someone is born and raised and lives through life and and becomes Henry Van Staten. It, there mm. there's nothing believable about him as a character for me. Um But uh but like I said, like the emotional core of the Doctor versus this one Dalek is so spectacularly good that it more than makes up for um, Henry Van Staten and the uh, the two dimensional American military. Um, so I really like that stuff. Um, my other my other small gripe with this is, and I get why it's called this. Like I get it. It was it's all for marketing reasons. But I don't like that this episode is called Dalek only because Daleks aren't introduced in the teaser. So when you get to the uh, the opening credits and you see that the name of the episode is called Dalek, it kind of spoils the episode for you. Mm. Um, but of course, that's that only that that it only spoils the episode reveal of a Dalek to classic Who fans and no one else. Yes. Um, which is you know, I, I guess we could take that bullet. It's fine. Uh. It's just, it's just interesting, you know, like mm -hmm. the way that the episode is structured, it seems like the Dalek is a big reveal, but then the episode title is called Dalek, um. So it's like, you kind of know what you're in for. And when you're watching it and you see that teaser and you're like, Oh, this is going to be about like a, a guy who collects things. Okay. And then you see the title is called Dalek and you're like, Oh wait, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I don't know. Just, just a weird, uh, again, not even really a complaint so much. as just like a small, like, um, thought, I suppose, sure. um, because I get it. I know why it's called Dalek. I get it. Um, it's just, uh, uh, interesting from a from a story structural standpoint it kind of ruins the reveal Um, yeah
1: no i i I agree and i think that it's something that um that is is a very calculated move on their part Mm -hmm. because it allows them to uh, uh uh what's what's the phrase build off of um that build off of that hype uh, because they say this episode, episode this week on Saturday on BBC One is going to be called Dalek. Do you like Daleks? Well, it's called Daleks, so what do you think's gonna happen? Mm-hmm. Um it's a very sly marketing move. Um, but it is something that I mean it plays really well because all the people who are Doctor Who fans or who were Doctor Who fans before this sto- like, before this aired, like would it, it drums up their publicity, but at the same time, like Everyone who's watching this for the first time, like when I watched this for the first time, I had no idea what a Dalek was mm-hmm. at all, and mm-hmm. so I was just like, "Dalek, what's what is that? How do I? Da, 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 I don't know how to pronounce. I don't even know how to pronounce that." And then it just, it just, I mean, it just works for me, especially because like mm-hmm. the Dalek reveal does come very soon. Um, mm-hmm. It's better. I don't know. It's better than say holding the reveal until the cliffhanger. <laughs> but uh, right. yeah, it's it's. I, I, I see what you mean. I, I get the complaint. I think it is a, a valid complaint.
0: Uh-huh. I mean I think, I think even if, if they had just extended the teaser to the reveal of the Dalek being in, like, like tied up in the thing and then going to the, to the opening credits, like I think even that would have been better. Like hmm. then I wouldn't have a complaint about the title at all. Right. Um, it's okay, just I specifically see. the way that it's structured. Uh, it seems an odd title for the way that it's structured. That's all. Yeah.
1: No, I, I I see that, and I I find that if that was the case, I'd agree. Because my my reaction when you said if they had extended the teaser, I'd be like, so they have a 15 minute teaser, and then it's just like, uh, just the dalek sitting in the, in the in the in the room, and then it's it's eye stock raises or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. really yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Badass. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um. But yeah. No. And I I like that. I love the uh, I love the hall at the beginning with the, with like all of the 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 who villains and, like, the Cyberman head. Like, I love that. That's great stuff.
1: (laughs) Uh, So it's so awesome and such a really nice little touch and kind of sets up this whole, um, just the theme of the episode where he's just like, I've been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. Like, he just looks at it and it's very much like, because this is kind of a story about your history and what you kind of do with that. And... I love that it's all right there, but it's the sort of thing where it's like, if you don't know that that's a Cyberman, you're going to totally miss it the first time. Because I totally missed it the first time.
0: Mm -hmm. Because I don't
1: know. I did not know. Yeah. 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 No,
0: and I think it's – I think, too, uh, another thing that I like about this that we haven't talked about yet is I like that – Ralph Davies chooses to have Rose sympathize with the Dalek in this story so mm-hmm. that when you get to the finale she's still in sympathy mode and the doctor's like, no no no, you don't understand <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is really great. Um yes. and and I, so I, I I actually like that a lot. Like I could I could see, I bet um if I if I was if if, if I, I don't know better because I wasn't uh I wasn't, I, I wasn't totally aware of this as it was airing. Um, I didn't find it until like a few months afterwards. Uh, so I wonder how Classic Who fans were reacting to this episode because I have a feeling they were complaining um, mm. because they were like, no, 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 Daleks don't have a third dimension. <laughs> You know how people complain about that. I mean, like, of course. people now complain about uh, The Walking Dead and how they're just like, things are too emotional.
1: <laughs> there's, there's not enough zombies. Show me yeah, zombies. There's guys. not enough
0: zombies. And, and I don't care about the governor's life. Um, so, so, like, I, you get a lot of people like that, where they're just like, meh, change. So I wonder how, how much, like, just how much hatred from Classic Who fans this episode got um see my
1: gut my gut reaction is is to say not very much just because like it's such like it's so undeniably good like this is the episode that when you get to i mean but like looking at it i mean looking at it from the people that i watch this show with dalek is the one where people latch on to dr who um but new uh, who fans
0: not classic who fans
1: true true yeah that's the, again, That's the difference. That's the difference.
0: It's like <laughs> it's like the people who I mean, you know, not to bring up Walking Dead again, but I will because I think the comparison is apt. But it's like yes. the people who hate the Walking Dead TV show are the ones that read the comic first, and they're like, it's not like the comic. Um, so it's it, but then there's the people who just watch the Walking Dead uh, show, and then they watch the the classic, who and they're like, eh, not for me, and like. I think that's the difference, and and I wonder if classic Who fans liked this episode because it is a wildly new interpretation of Daleks, Mm -hmm. Um, because it's it's it is sympathizing with the Dalek in a way. It's like it's it's depicting a Dalek uh, a Dalek unit as uh, Frankenstein's monster. Um, yeah. Or something in a lot of to be ways.
1: pitied, yes
0: Yeah, well yeah, Frankenstein's monster Like, right. you know, yeah, he's killing all these people But he's doing it because he doesn't know any better And he's scared and he doesn't know what else to do mm-hmm. uh, So it's, uh, I don't know, it's it's it, it, it's interesting I, I'd i like to uh, go back in time and find If any listeners watch this as it aired I'd be curious to know um, if, if they remember How Classic Who fans reacted to this episode Mm-hmm no no definitely without a doubt and I love and and
1: what's interesting is like you can almost feel like Sherman knows that that's going to be a reaction because the ending at the ending of the story the Dalek is actually the good guy in that scene the -hmm. scene where it says I want you to kill me the doctor and the Dalek has completely switched narrative places the doctor is the one who's coming at the Dalek with the gun, and the Doc, and the Dalek is the one that has roses as, as its companion, which is a really interesting dynamic shift and a really wonderful thematic switch because it is about um, who these people were and how they can react. and I love the Dalekification of the Doctor, um, and I love the humanization of the Dalek. It makes this such a unique episode and something that's special and new and fresh, and 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 just wonderfully, beautifully thematic. Um, and watching the Doctor realize that. Um, what he's doing like when he says when he's like get out of the way and she's like why and he's like because i have to and then she's like what are you doing and he's just like and he just like breaks down and it's like eccleston is so good um he's so good he's ridiculously good um it makes me sad
0: that we're that we're probably never going to get a doctor as old as him ever again um (laughs) because of how popular uh david tennant and and now Matt Smith is absurdly popular and I feel like if they did another an older doctor, they would just lose all those fans instantly mm-hmm. um so uh, Uh, It's 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 unfortunate that we're not going to get a mature doctor ever again. Um, Yeah. (laughs) At least not for a long time. (laughs) Well, you never know. I mean, if if, when
1: Smith leaves, it's going to be one of those things where it's like, well, what do you have to do? Like Moffat did want an older doctor. Um, yeah, but, but
0: what Moffat wants to, won't matter anymore. It's going to be what BBC wants, and BBC makes a lot of money off of Doctor Who now, and <laughs> it's all because of Matt Smith and the fans that Matt Smith has generated as being a young, goofy Doctor. And they're just going to want to repeat that again. They're not mm. going to want a Peter Davison to his Tom Baker. They're just not going to want that. Mm. Mm.
1: That's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but because but, because there is sort of like a mileage and it it's interesting though because like I'm I'm in the young doctor camp I prefer younger doctors in general but they are they do lose something by not exploring it again because it has been a while um, and mm-hmm. it is something that they should I mean they should they should do it um, just just
0: because... older like just Ackleston age would be. Fine, yeah. I don't. I don't need a geriatric doctor. Yeah, that, just like I, it, I, because fine. then you can't do actiony things, and then you're you're in a uh, you're in a pacing. You have pacing issues at that point. Um, if if you have an old like an old doctor, like like a 50 plus doctor, like then you come into to pacing problems because you can't have the doctor run around a lot. Like you just it just doesn't work. So like it makes more sense to have him like top out at 50. And like 50 and younger, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I mean, unless he's Tom Cruise, but that's ridiculous. Can you believe that guy's 50? Ridiculous. Yeah, that's Uh, insane. Ridiculous. Well, like I think of that every time I think about 50 year olds being older and I'm just like, wait, Tom Cruise is 50. Well, that's weird. Um, (laughs) But uh, but you know what I mean? Like you got it. You have to like Eccleston is probably like the age that I would want to see you know a quote-unquote old doctor now is is yeah. that around that age like that's all I'm talking about when I'm thinking older I'm thinking yeah. older than 26 yeah. um yeah, yeah like like a like a doctor in his 40s
1: which is basically yeah. what Tom Baker was and I think I think Colin Baker was in his 40s when he took over um, or just about 40. um so where, I think was, where was McCoy McCoy was also in his 40s I think. okay so yeah. So there, I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, they should they should just do that. Um, mm-hmm. Why like why not? It just makes it just makes sense um, from a from a from a where do you go next standpoint. And then like you can just keep fluctuating between the two because mm-hmm. uh, with the modern sensibilities, there is a lot of room to play with that idea, uh, that mm-hmm. sort of notion, and, and all that good stuff. So
0: yeah, I miss I miss the the older Doctor because. Um, I, I like, uh, I, 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 I like the version of the doctor that isn't a romantic icon. Like I'm tired of the romantic icon. We've had two of those now and I'm, I'm like, uh, I'm ready for something new. I'm ready for a doctor who is completely platonic. Um, sure. and, uh, I don't think we're going to get him, uh, because they like him as a romantic lead now, which is odd. Well, you, the thing about Doctor Who that's interesting is,
1: like, you, you say we're not going to, but I, I, can't, I can't imagine it's going to stay that way. Because Doctor Who is constantly able to reboot itself and re-envision itself, and it's one of those things where, like, yeah, he could start as a romantic lead, but they can wean him off of that. Um, I, or at least they can, they can wean him off of that and then make it so that the 14th Doctor is, is uh, not a romantic lead, and that's but, fine. But
0: will they have interest in that, is the, is the thing. I think is ultimately the question. Do they have any interest in weaning him off being a romantic lead? Uh, once, you're,
1: once you're out of interesting romantic lead stories, which they're kind of out of at this point, yes. Mm. Um, because, because trust – I mean – I think
0: you're thinking in terms of what's going to make the better show and not in terms of what makes the show popular right now
1: i i am but i also have to as a writer (laughs) yeah no i know i would have to believe in executives not being purely bottom line and no understanding that story does matter um that a take and a view does matter as much as what makes it popular um if not more. So I have to believe in that, at least on some level. The problem is that like Moffat, for example, is just really big and flashy and he's really powerful. And so the BBC goes with him because they trust him. When you get someone who's whoever's next, uh, I think they're going to have some notes, but they're also going to be interested in that person's take because you were rebooting the show. Well, I hope um, so. Yeah, I do. Hope I have, so. have have faith, man. This is not the first time. Like the show is constantly able to reinvent itself. It's the reason why it's the best show ever made, um, mm. or the strongest the best television series ever made. There's a reason why. That's the reason why. So I, I believe,
0: believe it, bruv. <laughs> uh, I, well, it's just it's it's just the thing where it's like you're right, but at the same time, like. We've had this version of The Doctor since it launched um, because that's what Russell T. Davies was interested in. And then now that's what Moffitt's interested in. So it's just uh, I'm 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 curious uh, if it will change. That's all. Sure. Sure. Uh, I don't have faith that it will because I have yet to be proven that that is that can be the case. So uh, but I'm I'm totally for being proven wrong. Uh-huh. Um
1: Absolutely. I'm all for Uh, it. A couple other quick hits that I have on Dalek. Um, uh, The scene in which uh, Eccleston meets the Dalek for the first time is amazing. Mm -hmm. Like, just outstandingly amazing. And it's interesting, again, having listened to Jubilee a couple of times, how uh, uh Eccles, like Sherman writes the scene subtly differently compared to cuz the scene is basically the same the lights are off the doctor walks in the dalek lights up the doctor freaks out what happens next is how Sherman differentiates it and i think it's really interesting that he can take an alternate take on that same scene um because it's really masterful and it honestly reminded me of like victory of the daleks when when matt smith uh attacks the dalek with the wrench although this is better um and and i mean it's that uh, i also again want to say that this i think is the best use of the Daleks in the class in the new series um uh because i can't think of anything that uses them quite better than this it's Do- just a Daleks very... take
0: manhattan i mean come on
1: <laughs> well you got it you gotta make you gotta make human slaves and pig, uh, human human uh brainwashed and pig slaves so there you go um <laughs> uh just because it's such a specific take and it really does kind of like, this is, I mean, it's just refreshing. The Daleks, going back to, God, evil of the Daleks. Like, you'd have to go back almost 40 years from where this aired to find something that is as interesting uh, a take on the Daleks as, the, as it is here. Because the other stories that I want to say, like Revelation and Genesis, are Davros stories more than Dalek stories. Um, uh, and then the last one is that this story, what strikes me, and this is a, this is a Shearman thing. But this story does things that are completely insane, but I love the way that it treats it with real gravitas, and it makes it legitimately much more scary. Like, the moment when the Dalek starts to <laughs> levitate, and Rose just goes, oh my god, it's just <laughs> amazing. And the part where the Dalek absorbs the internet and knows everything is amazing. Like, all mm-hmm. of those things are just wonderful and beautiful, and I, 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 I love it when they take something that is really campy, put a big old lamppost on it, and say, actually get in the moment we're being scared right now um awesome and wonderful no it's
0: great great it's great all right so before we talk about the nameless city i want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by dcbservice.com dcbs the site that lets you pre-order all your monthly comic book statues action figures anything you can get from local comic book shop you place your orders three months in advance with monthly discount specials up to 75% off and regular discounts of 40% off. Ship as often as you like. With orders as large as small as you like, you only pay six ninety five for flat rate shipping. So thanks to DCPService.com. Uh, there's new Doctor Who stuff on that site every month. So uh, <laughs> go, go check it out. Like every month in previews, there's like two or three pages of Doctor Who stuff. Um, so go, uh, go check it out. Go check it out, uh, DCBService.com. All right, so uh, the Nameless City. This is the second, uh, the second ebook uh, short story thing uh, being written by children's book authors. Uh, this is for the Second Doctor. It's written by Michael Scott, uh, but not the fictional Michael Scott because that would be weird. Um, and uh, it's uh, it's uh, Second Doctor and Jamie. Um, with a main villain I've never heard of, uh, and a, and a cameo appearance by the master. Um, although (laughs) never called that, just, you, you kind of figure it out. Um, but, uh, I, uh, I, I, I liked this. I think I liked it better than, than last month's. Um, I think that if I have a problem with it, is that it retcons like crazy. Um, like this is one cr- big, crazy retcon as far as I can tell, because I've never heard of the archons before. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's, it's an insane retcon, if that's the case. And we'll talk about what it is exactly in a second. But uh, other than the crazy retcon, uh, which is, I guess what the whole story is based around. But if you just sort of go with it and you're just like, okay, whatever, it's a story. It's fine. Um, I, I liked it. All right. Like I thought it was, uh, I thought it was all right. It was a little meandering at parts, but, um, I think on the whole, I enjoyed reading it more than last month's story.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I actually had kind of an opposite reaction. Uh, I did like it. Um, but the thing that I liked about, uh, the, the big hand for the doctor, which we talked about last month, uh, which was the Aoen Colfer story, uh, was that the the Big Hand for the Doctor had a really great sort of underlying idea that I liked more than I liked this one. Um, and the reason for that is that that one has like an interesting sort of take on Doctor Who where it's like Doctor Who inspires spoilers Peter Pan. This kind of didn't have that and it was just kind of like a big uh, rompy action piece which is not what I'm kind of interested in when it comes to Doctor Who. And honestly, I found myself a little bored by it, because it was just like, and then the Doctor talks to these guys, and the the Archons turn into a big giant tentacle thing, and and stuff like that. And it was a little, um, it was a little frustrating. Um, for me. But I like the imagery, I like the spectacle of it. It's one of those things where it's like, yeah, this is something that works really well as, like, a prose novel. I just didn't, I just thought it was a little fluffy for my taste. Um, Mm. Yeah, I do
0: think it could have been shorter.
1: Uh, Yeah, it it, it felt very drawn out. Which I mean, okay, fine. You're doing a Patrick Trouton story. I guess you're allowed to do that. But um, (laughs) but it it was like it was just interesting because it wasn't like it just didn't kind of it felt like um it felt like a season six story, which I know you haven't seen a lot of season six, but uh, there's just it just doesn't feel like. It just doesn't feel like what I kind of want out of a Patrick Troughton story, and what I want out of a Patrick Troughton story is not a base under siege because God knows we have way too many of those. But um, uh, I just kind of I don't know. I felt like I felt a little let down by it because um, uh, I just I just didn't think it was a great use of the Second Doctor in particular. I think it I think it had the voice really really down. Um, but the, but the actual actions and what he's doing and how he's doing it just kind of got away from what I really like about the second doctor's, which is that he is unknowable, that he is mysterious and uh, mercurial. And I, I just felt like it was lacking a little bit. But that's just – I mean that's just me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still worth reading. I mean it cost like two bucks and I had a good time. But it was just – I just felt it
0: was a little drawn out, um, unfortunately. Well, the uh, the retcon that they do is – I'm assuming he is introducing these these –
1: Yeah, these did not exist
0: before this. Okay, so uh, the Archons are apparently this ancient uh, civilization that predate the Time Lords and actually created the seeds uh, that became Tardises and the Gallifreyans stole the seeds and then made Tardises from these seeds. And so the Archons believe that... Uh, the TARDIS belongs to them because, uh, they, uh, they invented the seeds that invented TARDISes, I guess. It was a little confusing, but that's basically the gist of it is they're saying like the Time Lords would be nothing without the Archons. Um, and, uh, and, and, and the second doctor, the doctor owes them his TARDIS as a result. And they try to steal it from him. Um which is uh and and I liked how that how that played back toward the fact that like the tardis needed fixing but he needed uh, those three specific things he needed gold mercury and then um some other third uh not real uh <laughs> element. Titan um,
1: 7 which is actually a callback to Vengeance on Veros of all things.
0: Oh, interesting. Um so so like I like that he was saying like I need those three things to sort of give the TARDIS a blood transfusion and uh and then he shows up on this planet, and the the planet is made of those three elements, which I think is really interesting if that's going to be the planet where Tarises came from um so like I liked all that like I think that was all well done, but I think I also think it was all made up for this story, which mm-hmm. is fine, um, but I think it was all like structurally like it was pretty tight. I liked that um it was just. The story itself was a little meandering. It could have been. It was forty-eight pages. It could have easily been thirty. Yeah, and we definitely. would have lost nothing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So just,
1: there's a lot of there's a lot of um, sitting around. Um, I like I like I also like certain elements of it that are really interesting. Besides, like the Archons, I agree they're just. I I hate it when you people like I don't know. I guess I'm a hypocrite because I really like Impossible Planet, but the Archons, what they're saying. What they say here is just... I mean, I find that problematic, like you do. Um, but uh, it's just... It doesn't it doesn't work for me when you say, this is how this came to be. It's like, you don't need to tell me that. You don't need to come up with that. Just have them be a ridiculously powerful warfaring species who were wiped out by the Time Lords. You don't have to make them creators of TARDISes. Like, that's excessive. Um, what I do like, though, is I like the idea of bringing the Necro- Necronomicon into the TARDIS. Um, it's just, just unfortunate that, that was the coolest idea. <laughs> And they never did anything with it mm-hmm. um, because that's a really that's a really neat idea—the idea that the master wants to give the doc trick the doctor into bringing the Necromondamicon into the TARDIS um, for whatever. Unfortunately, that to me says that we get a lot of dead raising or evil dead in the TARDIS, which would be really cool. Um, it's just that they went in a totally different direction. Which evil is not... dead in the TARDIS. <laughs> yeah, evil TARDIS. Evil TARDIS. Uh. Evil TARDIS. I don't know. Um,
0: uh, zombie TARDIS. <laughs>
1: Um, but but I mean like I mean that that to me was the most interesting and that just kind of um that just kind of didn't interest me at the end of the day. Like it's just it was just like, okay, well you didn't do anything with this, um, and it was kind of a bummer.
0: So yeah. 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 Alright, well, uh next month we'll talk about the third story which is entitled The Spear of Destiny. It's a third doctor story, written by who? Uh
1: I don't I don't remember and I don't have it in front of me. Okay. I'll get it for you in a second.
0: I don't remember either, but um, that's, that'll be in, uh, that'll be sometime during, uh, during, uh, New Who is when we'll, we'll have, uh, we'll have that to talk about. Um, so yeah, well, we're going to keep going with them cause, uh, yeah. I think they are interesting reads for sure. Mm-hmm. So. And it is, it is a cool,
1: like it is, is, it is fun to have like a YA author take on Dr. Who. Mm-hmm. And I, I do, I do like that. It, I mean, regardless of, um, regardless of. Like w- whether or not it works as a whole, it's still it's still interesting to do like Necronomicon in the TARDIS, like or as was the case last week, Peter Pan or JM Barry, like those those are fresh takes that I don't think you'd get on TV that you're not really getting anywhere except from like from Doctor Who fans because you're these people are taking in like new fresh ideas that are really interesting. Uh, Spear of Destiny, by the way, written by Marcus Sedgwick, who I'd never heard of. So
0: there mm-hmm. you go. I'd never heard of Michael Scott either. So. Yeah,
1: although he apparently was has written a number of stories, so good for him. Okay,
0: <laughs> good for him. Yay, good job. Um, I. <laughs> ah, all right. Well, next week we're going to talk about Patrick Troughton and the Seeds of Death, our farewell story uh, to Classic Who for for eight weeks. While we're dealing with uh, New Who returning, yes. Um. So. Uh, so more Patrick Trout next week. Seeds of Death, Ice Warriors. Uh, good stuff. In the meantime, uh, you can uh, find us on the internet. I am twitter.com slash Scott Corelli. Also, twitter.com slash Scott Commentary, where I live tweet things from time to time. Uh, And then you can also uh, find me on our other podcasts, like The Mind Robbers, which is our flagship podcast, where we talk about all of the things just stuff we've been watching, reading, playing, uh, whatever. Anything that we've been – any sort of entertainment we've been consuming, um, sometimes uh, news items that we want to talk about. Uh, all of that is done on The Mind Robbers, uh, so check that show out. Also, The Mind Robbers vs. Uh, currently, Batman the Animated Series, um, we're looking at that uh, episodically. We do two episodes of the Batman The Animated Series for each episode of The Mind Robbers versus Batman The Animated Series and we do three episodes of uh, The Mind Robbers versus a week and each episode roughly runs between 15 to 25 minutes Um, so uh, nice bite-sized chunks and we're talking about Batman The Animated Series which is a great show it's a great show Um, so you should be listening to that if you're not already Uh, Matt, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter, Twitter.com slash Gunkin, and also my other Twitter account, Twitter.com slash
1: commentary, or I live tweet what I'm watching or th- uh, at the moment. Um, or in some cases, maybe reading, because I, I am in the middle of a novel right now, and part of me really wants to complain about this guy just... Uh Sometimes. Um, eh. Also, uh, my uh, blog, classicalgalafree.blogspot.com, which is where all of my thoughts on all of Classic Who is. Uh, this was not Classic Who, but whatever. Uh, so so uh, check it out because it has many, many, many words and many, many, many pictures. Um, and it, it's very, very, very pretty. Um, so uh, follow me there. And like Scott said, uh, The Mind Robbers and Mind Robbers Versus, which you should just listen to because they're great. They're wonderful. They're my favorite thing so All right. enjoy
0: Yeah. Um, don't forget to email us podcast at net. go to the website, leave comments leave iTunes reviews tell people on social media that you listen and they should be listening and we'll talk to you next week with Patrick Trout and see you again, bye bye guys